Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you are well today. Hope it's payday for you. For you weekly and bi-weekly wage earners, perhaps today is the day. Get out and go do something fun with you and your family and those you love. How cool would that be? I went to the movies last night. It's a school night, but I'm a cool dad. We went to, uh, to see the new Spider-Man movie. I won't give you any spoilers. It was packed. Matter of fact, we got the last two tickets. Went to the 815 show in here in Starkville. I thought, well, you know, we'll get there in plenty of time. Got there, and uh, as soon as I get in line, it's like the low ticket thing is flashing. The the young ladies in front of me were buying one ticket at a time, and uh, I said, hey, we got seven tickets left. And so there was four of them, and there was uh, two of us, and uh, it was a group to the right of me that actually was going to buy those tickets, and people behind them were like, hey, let's all go together. Let's wait and go to the nine. So we got in for the 815 show, and so let me tell you this. If you like movies, you're going to like this one. If you know the Spider-Man series, you're going to love this one. Incredible, incredible, incredible effects in this movie. And listen, I'm not a big Marvel comics guy. I know many of you love these Marvel movies. I know they do really well at the box office. It's not really my thing. However, you know, I I, uh, I was a Spider-Man fan as a kid, like many of you. And so we went. I had I, I like going to the movies. Probably not as much as Gene Swindoll. Gene probably goes three times a week. I maybe go three times a month. But I do like going. Gives me a chance to get out and be with my kids, get away from the computer for a little while. But we had a great time. And so here's the deal. If uh, if you guys are looking for something cool to go see, and I'm, I'm eager for next week. We got a lot of those Christmas blockbuster movies like The Matrix coming out. I'm excited about that. I'm a Matrix fan. But go see the Spider-Man movie. Bring your kids. It is a family-friendly movie. There's not a lot of implied adult innuendo in any of this. And... Uh, Again, no spoilers, but there's some really cool moments that kind of tie up some loose ends in a Spider-Man series. Now, one of the things uh, Ian, my youngest, and I kind of laughed about, you know, we're there to be entertained. You know, there's some people that, that are, and, and I hate to say it this way, they're kind of Marvel nerds, you know what I mean? And uh, not no judgment, but, uh, you know, there was some, you know, some boisterous activity in the movie when some scenes happen, like some characters you know, from older movies kind of pop up in cameos and people clap and cheer and that sort of stuff. And it's just so fun to go be around other people that are enjoying themselves. You know what I'm saying? I mean, those are things that really excite me. Just having a chance to get out of the house and go see a blockbuster film and, you know, get some popcorn, sit there and chill with your family and your kids. And and so it's a good time. Uh, coming up pretty soon here in a few months, I guess in February, we'll be, uh, we'll be in Brandon at the amphitheater. His theory of a dead man, and then my friends from Shaman's Harvest will be there. Now, let me let me tell you this: if you are a fan of Southern rock and you don't know Shaman's Harvest, because I can be honest with you, I could go to that show and watch Shaman's and then leave and feel like I got my money's worth. And that's no shot at Theory of a Dead Man, even though I'm not a huge Theory fan. I do like some of their stuff. I got some people in my family that just swear by those guys. One day I was riding down the road and uh, I threw a Theory of a Dead Man CD out a window one time. I'll confess that. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, shamans is great. If you don't know them, familiarize yourself with them as we get closer. Maybe we'll do a top 10 list of shaman songs to kind of prepare you. But uh, I love shamans. I'm really glad they're going out on a major tour. 
and being an opener on a headlining tour that I think uh, will get them in front of some people that maybe are unfamiliar with their music. The album Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns, I bought, that's a couple years old now. That was the best album that I bought that year, without a doubt. Shaman's Harvest, go check it out. And then also announced recently, can't wait for this one, kids. The Tom Kiefer Band, who I, I saw at Rocklahoma, had a chance to visit with Tom, and uh, it was incredible. Tom actually married to an old Miss girl, so don't judge him for that. An incredible artist. Opening acts, L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat. I will be down front begging for a set list. I know a couple guys in those bands and uh, eager to get back and see those. And, you know, I always say that uh, going to a rock show for me, you know, it's like that place that, uh, that Bodie talked about in Point Break. It's where you lose yourself and you find yourself. And so, again, it's just it's good to be around other people that are enjoying life. You know, we work so hard, we pay so many bills, and sometimes it feels like we just work to pay bills to make everybody else rich. And so every so often, it's good to go, you know, feel like a kid again, just go kind of enjoy some things in life that, um, you know, maybe are difficult to capture in other venues. You know, I, I love going to rock shows, and I know many of you are country fans or rap fans or R&B fans. I encourage you to get out and support live music whenever you can. Buy some merch. Buy some merch. It's not as simple as just buying the ticket. You know, just, just you guys know, too. I mean, you know, there's a um, so let's say for an example, like Theory of a Dead Man, I have no idea what their demands are. But let's say they get five grand a show. Well, it, you know, they're going to get that five grand whether um, the show sells out or not. So a lot of the ticket revenue goes to the promoter. Not saying you shouldn't promote those guys, too. But if you love bands and I know you do. Go buy some merch. Uh, speaking of getting out and enjoying things, Mississippi State men and women's basketball teams will be in action uh, this weekend. Matter of fact, your, uh, your men are going to be in action tonight. How about that? Maybe you're unaware of that. Playing Furman, 6 p.m. at the hump. Bulldogs victorious in their latest uh, intercollegiate basketball game against Georgia State. 79-50 winners there. Uh, you know, pretty much a game that Mississippi State dominated throughout. It's a 43-22 game at the break, and then we win 36-28 in the second half. Uh, 79-50 over a winning team, but listen, we should always beat a Sunbelt squad. An announced attendance of 5,953. So we're doing okay. We're doing okay. And again, that's a midweek game against a, uh, a Sunbelt team. So you know, hopefully we can get, you get a decent crowd uh, this evening. Uh, looking at... Uh, your scoring leaders, Iverson Molinar, uh, 18 points, 7 of 7 from the line, 5 of 6 from the floor. D.J. Jeffries pitched in 15. Uh, Derek Fountain with 10. A lot of people believe he should remain in the starting lineup. He started against Georgia State. You're starting five, Molinar, Jeffries, Fountain, Shaquille Moore, Garrison Brooks. And a lot of that's going to boil down to matchups sometimes too. Uh, so, so here's the deal. Men tonight, come out, check it out. You'll be excited about it. 6 p.m. tip, Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, the ladies, ladies in action this weekend too. And if you wear an ugly sweater tomorrow against Troy, you get a free ticket. If you wear an ugly Christmas sweater, you get a free ticket. Ladies, of course, won earlier this week, up back on Sunday, 54-37. So a bit of a break, and then Troy coming in. And uh, if you can't make it, you can watch that game on the SEC ESPN Network Plus. 
So plenty to root for this weekend. And, of course, we've got bowl games beginning tonight. And that's always cool, too. Mississippi State football back on the practice field today, 11 days away from a ball game against Texas Tech. A lot of people have asked, hey, Steve, what about this inside receiver position, Coach? You know, uh, Drew Hollingshead, the GA, is coaching the inside receivers in bowl practices. I don't anticipate a hire before the bowl game. That could change. You know, the, the primary focus of your men's, uh, excuse me, your football coaching staff and Mike Leach over the course of the last few weeks has been getting this recruiting class to bed. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So now that we're all back and we're getting a little downtime or whatever, and then we're working through practice. And I told you guys before all this happened that I was uh, an opponent of the early signing period. I am still an opponent of the early signing period for a couple reasons why. Number one, coaches get less time than ever with prospects when you make a bowl game. You got bowl practices. You got to get out and do in-home visits. I don't know how you can do a great job. Just part of the deal. I think if we're going to have an early signing period, let's make it a meaningful signing period. Maybe let's do it September 1. I still don't believe there was enough wrong with the original recruiting calendar. But the one thing that I will say, the one benefit that I see for a school like Mississippi State is that if we do get blindsided or miss on a kid, we get a second bite at the apple. But so if we're going to have a second signing period and have this early period, I I think we need to move it up. Just because basically all we're doing is uh, basically allowing these guys to eliminate basically two weeks of recruiting activity. And let's take, let's give an example to guys like uh, Trevion Williams or, or maybe even Jaheim Otis. Let's go to Jaheim Otis. So Jaheim uh, plays for the 4A state championship Columbia High School Wildcats. And so if you are playing for a state championship, if you are a star player on a championship caliber team, where you're going to play up until the first weekend of December. And then if you're fortunate enough to make the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, you're going to play the second weekend of December. Well, then guess what happens? We expect you to sign on Wednesday. So then you got to rush and get your visits made during the season, and that's part of the problem too. It's like if you're still playing high school football, which begins you know Labor Day weekend or before, every weekend is a Friday night deal. And so if you're, unless you're going to take an abbreviated visit or miss some school, you know, it's going to be difficult to get those visits and so the reality of it is, is I think, you know, let's go back and maybe give these guys the full month of January, the end of December, full month of January, uh, to get these visits in. Now, of course, you've got the AFCA convention, and that was one of the things several years ago the NCAA did kind of in conjunction with the AFCA. That's the American Football Coaches Association. You know, guys would use recruiting as an excuse not to come to the convention. And so now – they have extended the dead period to cover the convention, so people are more likely to go to the convention. And that's where a lot of networking gets done, a lot of hires get made, interviews take place, that sort of stuff. And so as it stands now, the, the uh, dead period runs from December 13th to January, thir- January 13th, and then we expect guys to sign that first, uh, first week of February. And so when you come out of that, that January 13th data period, you got you know, a couple weekends really to kind of get your visits in, and there just aren't a lot of talent left. About 75% of Division One prospects sign football scholarships in December. And so there, let me just tell you, based on, let's call it an educated opinion. 
you're going to see some people, you know, kind of post some proposals to kind of tweak the current recruiting calendar. Don't know how quickly it happens, but I understand there is some support around the league uh, to maybe abolish the December signing period, maybe perhaps move it up. Maybe, maybe you do it November 1st or October 1st. Maybe you do it then. But the, the problem with that is, is do you really want your coaches on the road recruiting in season? I would say no. So you got to figure some things out. Again, you could have a more meaningful signing period if you have it September 1st. Uh, but the reality of it is there's not a perfect model out there. I think this has kind of brought some um, some collateral issues that were maybe unintended consequences of making the move. And, again, I just don't know how much we really gain from it. I mean, honestly. Now, in our industry, you know, it's great for us because we got two great – days right all this momentum building up to december so we get a huge traffic day and then we get to do do it again in february so it's great for us i don't know how great it is for the student athlete and that's where the primary focus should always be let's thank our good friends at bulldog burger company longtime sponsors of the show and i was a longtime customer of bulldog burger company long before they became part of this uh, boneyard enterprise that we have i really like eating there I really like going in there and just being able to relax and enjoy a fine meal with friends or family. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a family night. It's a restaurant with a lot of versatility. Now, there are three great locations now to serve you. Right, University Drive right here in Starkville, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. A lot of great reports about that new one. They got that thing running along pretty good right now. So here's the deal. If you're looking for a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and that's one of the great delicacies in life, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Get the spring rolls for your appetizer. You'll be glad you did. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. And then maybe get that chocolate shake to go. I like to sit and chill, my honest opinion. You know, like when I get done eating, I like to kind of sit and visit a little bit and kind of pick through some of that bread pudding. That's always a great thing, too. Arguably the best bread pudding in North Mississippi. I, I think that's probably without question. I, and I'm a bit of a bread pudding connoisseur. I really like the Shipley's Donut Bread Pudding. It's kind of an interesting twist on a classic dessert. Be sure to check them out today. You'll be glad you did. And while you're doing some Christmas shopping, you're running out of time, and there's some people within your family, perhaps nieces or nephews or uh, children, whatever, maybe you're looking to maybe add a stocking stuffer for them, go to the eatwithus.com website. That's right, eatwithus.com. And get some gift cards. Give somebody a night out. Give somebody a free meal on you. You don't have to unwrap that, but I can promise you they'll be as excited about that as anything else you give them. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, our top story with Mississippi State football. It was learned yesterday, officially, Mississippi State starting center LaQuinston Sharp has been granted a medical hardship year and will return in 2022. He will be your starting center once again. And how this all kind of came to be, and I give our people a lot of credit, man. I do. It's so easy to cast aspersions. Oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. So they figured out, you know, LaQuinson Sharp only played in a handful of games for East Mississippi his sophomore year. Tore his ACL, missed the year, committed to Mississippi State shortly thereafter. But East Mississippi was a bit of a willing partner in this deal. And uh, Mississippi State said, hey, listen, you know, he didn't get a chance to really play that year. Didn't play the bulk of the year. And you've got this whole four games thing for red shirts, right? So let's take a shot. 
let's make an appeal to the NCAA eligibility community, uh, committee, excuse me. Bracky Brad and his people formulate the game plan. They submit it. Everybody signs off on it. LaQuinson Sharp granted another year. That's a great thing for Mississippi State and a great thing for LaQuinson Sharp because here's the deal. I don't know if you know this. I don't know how you could, but uh, some NFL scouts have been asking about Big Q. And so now all of a sudden you give him another year because he is limited position-wise on the next level. He is an interior guy. Probably could be a center in the NFL. Well, now he gets another year to kind of prove that he can handle that, you know, get the checks down, that sort of stuff. And with Mississippi State already losing two tackle prospects, two starters on the offensive line, it's good to get that guy back. Now you're just kind of building the wings up, right? That's easier said than done. But let's take a look today and let's look at some of the depth chart uh, for next year and see maybe how the recruiting class will impact the roster. But also, too, I don't know if you've taken the time to look through all this stuff. So I've done it for you. You know, we talk about old wins in the SEC. You know, Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, all those teams had a ton of seniors. And it's difficult to kind of get – I started to do the research on it, and it's like you don't know who's taking advantage of a COVID year, who's going to be offered a COVID year, you know, who's going to go and get a job, who's going to go pro. So it's really difficult to get a sense on how many true seniors there were. I know Ole Miss, Kentucky had, uh, I guess, over 30 seniors and again some of those guys will come back but I'm just saying you know old and experienced wins in this league so let's take some time to look at this offense right so you know you're losing Charles Cross and you know you're losing Scott Lashley at the tackle positions I often wondered you know what would happen to Scott Lashley if he'd signed with Mississippi State initially you know what what you know because this was his first year to really be a starter right what if he had been here and kind of gone through the natural progression of things what if he had had an opportunity to come in here, red shirt, get some snaps as a second teamer, and the next thing you know, he gets a chance to start perhaps as a junior, might be a different guy. Maybe they're asking questions about him. You know, who knows? But looking at the offensive line, you've got four pretty interesting pieces already. So you got Q, that'll anchor the center. You know, Cole Smith came in, and that, that's when I think the offensive line play really improved when Cole Smith was back in the starting lineup uh, there at right guard. And then, you know, the left side over there, uh, you had Cam Jones. Now, let's say worst-case scenario next year, let's say we have some issues with tackle. Well, you can kick Cam Jones right back out there to right tackle. If you saw the second half of the Egg Bowl, you know, when we ran left to right, Charles Cross, Cole Smith, LaQuinson Sharp, Dollar Bill, and Cam Jones – protection got better well everybody but cross will be back this year so you know worst case scenario you could run that configuration of course we expect percy lewis to come in and compete for one of these tackle spots probably the left tackle spot that looks to be where he's the most comfortable and of course state is still out there uh you know working a transfer portal looking for another tackle because here's the deal we really like albert reese a lot albert reese is probably an nfl prospect but do you trust him enough right now to throw him out there as a first-year starter as a redshirt freshman? You know, maybe not. But what, what if we could get him, a, you know, some experiences too deeper this year, bring in like a one-year guy, a stopgap guy, the portal, an experienced guy, and maybe he's the starter this year, and it gives Albert a year to work second team, and the next thing you know, he's a three-year starter. 
That sounds like a perfect plan to me. Mason Brooks out of Western Kentucky is the guy of Mississippi State is recruiting right now. Kind of find out he has some family in Starkville. Actually going to spend some time this holiday season in Starkville. How about that? He can go walk around the campus, go look around on his own, of course, because it is a dead period. But he can go walk around, get to know town, get to see the campus. Maybe that's a good thing for us. But the reality of it is, is this offensive line group has a nice nucleus. Now, you're going to miss a uh, first-round draft pick in Charles Cross for sure. You don't lose a blindside protector like that and get better. Now, the unit itself may get better, but I don't think we're going to be better at the position. Percy Lewis, obviously, has never played in a Southeastern Conference. But that's a guy that's got SEC caliber size, strength, just needs to kind of get, you know, kind of get the, the mental aspect of it where it needs to be. Things move a lot quicker. In the SEC, as you know, he's going to be tasked with handling some of the best edge rushers in, in the entire college game. So there will be some growing pains. But the reality of it is, is when you look at that group, I think you realize, okay, we've got some pieces there and we've got some guys that are either on the way in or on the radar or under development that we could be in pretty good shape. I don't worry so much about right tackle. I, I think Albert Reese can handle it if he had to. And if you had, we mentioned before, if you absolutely had to do it, you, you flip Cam Jones out there and you let uh, Dollar Bill and, and um, you know, and uh, Cole Smith handle the, the, uh, the guard spots. And Dollar Bill, of course, uh, up and down a little bit last year, you know, but uh, it's, he's still a relatively young guy. But, again, you've got some pieces. You've got some guys that have some starts under their belt. And that's what you begin to kind of think about is that all four of the five guys that will be back next year that we expect to factor in somewhere have SEC starts under their belt. That's pretty impressive. So while you do – oh, they're losing tackles. That's true. But, you know, Cam Jones started a lot of games for us in 2020 at right tackle. So I'm not worried about the offensive line. If Percy Lewis is as advertised – Offensive line should be in good shape next year. And, again, there will be some growing pains. There will be. I mean, you're not going to expect Percy Lewis to show up and play at the same level of Charles Cross. I mean, Charles Cross is an elite player, a special player. Not to say Percy Lewis won't be, but there will be some up and down in the early going. It's a good thing we've got a manageable non-conference schedule. You know what you got at quarterback, right? You know, and uh, Chance Levertich uh, still working in there is your um, – as your backup quarterback. Uh, Sawyer Robertson will be second on the depth chart here in about 12 days behind Will Rogers, who, again, has had one of the most prolific seasons in the history of the Southeastern Conference. The scheme works. The air raid works. And here's the thing, too. I am a huge Will Rogers fan. Huge. I wasn't always. I'll admit that. You know, when we when we committed him in high school, I was thinking, I don't, I don't know. And a lot of it was the old Miss thing, right? I mean, it's like, he comes from an Ole Miss family, and I was like, you know what? We're almost setting ourselves up for some signing day heartbreak here. But that wasn't the case. And I remember talking to Joe Moorhead. He said he never had a doubt. He goes, after talking to Will and talking to the family, when they sat down and took the commitment, he said he had no doubt at all that Will and his family would stay the course, and they absolutely did. And now Will is coming here and, and has become a household name throughout the SEC. And I suspect he's going to be a household name nationally next year. Now his third year in the system. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. 
And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. And you've got a nucleus of players around him that are only getting better. Running backs, you know, we we signed two last year. They didn't play much at all. But you feel good about who we have coming back. Dylan Johnson, Woody Marks. Guys are growing up together. You're going to return the entire depth chart at running back. That's pretty cool to think about, right? Well, let's talk about wide receivers. The possibility is you may lose one wide receiver, and that's Malik Heath. So with Steve, he said on Twitter he's coming back. I, I, you know, I don't know. Because the talk, the reason he went through senior day, I'm told, is because he was planning to go pro. Um, maybe that doesn't happen now. Maybe after this wreck, maybe he needs, maybe he won't be in, in complete, completely good health uh, for the workouts. You know, does he opt and go to Jackson State? You know, does he transfer out? I don't know. But the reality of it is, I don't know what Malik Heath's going to do. But as it looks today, that looks to be the only possibility. So think, okay, let's say Malik leaves. And forget about the fact that we're going to sign probably five receivers in this class. You already got four in the class now. And you'll have an, another transfer, possibly two. Well, you got Tulu and Ra Ra coming back at X. 
You know, Ra-Ra, of course, uh, missed some time after the Auburn game. He'll be back for the ball game. Of course, uh, Christian Ford, another guy that will be running around out there doing some good things. Uh, Makai Polk returns at Z. Jameer Calvin at H. Austin Williams, Jaden Wiley out there at the Y. And you got Rufus Harvey that will factor in. And, and let me remind you of this. And I said this on the radio a few days ago, and it's like sometimes we forget about the guys at Redshirt. You know, so we redshirted Teddy Knox, who, who the staff feels can be incredible. We redshirted Jacoby Moore and Harmon. You begin to kind of think about that. Well, wait a minute. Okay, so we've got all these guys coming back, and you got three freshmen that redshirted last year. They were all highly coveted players. And then you're going to bring a couple transfers in, and you've signed all these other wide receivers too. We talked about when Mike Leach got here, you're going to have to retool the wide receiver room. You're going to have to commit more scholarships to it. You're going to have to get out there and compete. We have. We've improved. And now we're recruiting a different brand of athlete. Last year we prioritized size at the position. This year we're prioritizing speed. I love the direction of this wide receiver group. And, and given the fact, too, that Makai Polk and Jameer Calvin, those guys were all brand new last year, well, now you've got you know, a full year under your belt. You kind of know what Will Rogers is going to do. I like the group. Even if somebody leaves, like it's out of the blue, you expect somebody transfers you aren't expecting, it's like, okay, we're, we're okay. And how many times at the wide receiver position have we been able to say that really in school history? I talked with a good friend yesterday. We were talking about Xavier Thomas about I think sometimes our fans kind of underappreciate how good he is. Janaris Hobson's a guy that, uh, you know, it almost like we've forgotten how good he is because he committed so early. Janoris Hobson in the typical Mississippi State recruiting class at wide receiver would have been the bell cow of the group. And it's like sometimes he barely gets mentioned. The guy can really, really play. And so that shows how our wide receiver recruiting has really matured is the fact that you can get a guy like that, the guy who's considered the second best receiver in the state of Mississippi, and he's almost an afterthought on signing day. I mean, come on. That's a guy years ago we'd be, we'd be on the message board saying, hey, man, look at this. Wow. There have been all these debates about Larry Simmons and Norris Hobson about who's the best. But when we're going to go out and sign four or five wide receivers every year, sometimes guys will get lost in the discussion. Doesn't mean they're not talented. So, so what does it all mean, Steve? Well, how about this? How about you're going to return nine of 11 starters on offense now? Nine of 11 starters. Now, granted, two of the starters you're missing very important. Not as important as a quarterback, obviously. I mean, you got to have a good blindside protector. And so what do we do? You know, we're losing a first-round draft pick, so let's go get the number one junior college offensive tackle in the country. Oh, you're losing your right tackle. Well, let's go see if we can't get a grad transfer or perhaps a guy at the transfer portal to man that down while Albert Reese continues to mature and understand how to play in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, that is the best-case scenario for us. So you begin to think about what you've got coming back, and then you can shore up you know, your two losses. And, let, and let's be honest, too. I mean, Scott Lashley had his moments this year, but he was a bit inconsistent at times. I, I, I don't think there'll be a big drop-off at that position. I think you'll be able to, to get a player that will be as good or better than Scott played last year. So then you've got you know, your, your left tackle situation. So, again, 
we didn't have a lot of emergent needs on offense, but we're on the verge of meeting them anyway. And, and let's say you don't get Mason Brooks or a grad transfer or you know, transfer right tackle. Again, I think Albert Reese can handle it. Again, there'll be some up and down. I think you know, best case scenario is, hey, you go get Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky. He's your starter this year. Albert runs a second-team guy, and then Brooks goes into the NFL draft next year, and then Reese takes over. I think you can feel really good about the direction, not just this year, not just 2022, but the years ahead. I don't know that he didn't end up being a left tackle, you know, maybe a senior year anyway. But again, offensive line recruiting, wide receiver recruiting, heading in the right direction. So again, 9 of 11 starters on offense back. 9 of 11. Pretty impressive when you begin to think about it. When you really begin to break it down and we begin to think about next year, we talked about beginning of this year, we needed to have a winning record, we needed to get back to a bowl game, needed to get the egg back, well, two out of three ain't bad. Now we need to go win this bowl game to give us some juice kind of heading in, end up the year with eight wins. You got a chance to be top 25 in the preseason next year. Not that that means a awful lot, but it's still a possibility. I, you know, I think this team could, could win double-digit games next year. You say, well, Steve, with the schedule. Well, I mean, the schedule looks tough on paper. It looked tough on paper this year. Didn't you, did you guys have us going to Auburn and A&M winning on the road in the preseason? I would say you didn't. I would say you didn't have that. You, know, you never know week to week what's going to happen. But old wins in this league, we're going to be an experienced team. We're going to have some people with multiple years. And that's the thing, too, we talk about these freshmen you know, from two years ago. The best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. And the best thing about sophomores is they become juniors. Well, here we are getting ready for year three with Jaden Wiley and Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson and Will Rogers, that nucleus on offense is scrolling up together. It's pretty exciting stuff, man. It really is. And as we discussed, you had a couple losses, but you're addressing them in the proper manner. All right, time for today's top ten list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is my friend. He'll be your friend, too. And it, it pays to have a friend in the industry when you're going through – you know, a very difficult process, a very, very complicated process, like refinancing a home or purchasing a home. Deal with one of the winners, man. Fairway Mortgage, number one lending institution in the country when it comes to mortgage lending, according to some people. That's part of the company that Blair's with. He's not with some subprime lender, you know, in some rundown discounted uh, shopping center somewhere. Uh, not to say those people don't work hard, but the reality of it is this is a professional working for a professional organization. He's also a bulldog. A guy that's a season ticket holder in multiple sports, has a place in Starkville, spends a lot of time in Starkville, and because he values your business and wants to do business with Bulldogs as often as he can, and listen, I don't care who you root for, you can still use the code, right? Reach out to Blair and tell him you heard about him on the Boneyard, and uh, he is going to give you a great deal. He is going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a five to $600 value. Phone number 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. You won't get his receptionist. You won't get his administrative assistant. You won't get his loan processor. You'll get Blair and let him know. You heard about him on the boneyard. He'll take care of you. One of the top 1% close ratios in the country. This is a guy that gets things done. And that's who you want to work with, right? Don't you want to work with a winner? There are a lot of people out there that love to have your business. Doesn't mean they can close your loan. That's why it's CloseWithBlair.com. Check it out today, CloseWithBlair.com. Be sure to refinance or perhaps uh, look to you know, purchase a home for the first time. Don't be scared. This guy's done it all, seen it all. 
Okay. So it hit me a couple days ago. I'm riding around listening to, uh, to Lithium on Sirius XM. And uh, Oasis came on. And I thought, you know, we hadn't done Oasis. I'm like, yeah, we did. I think we did like a top five. And I thought, you know what? We, we didn't do those guys justice if we did them a top five. And that was months ago, back during the quarantine. And um, so I've been jamming some Oasis this week. And I said, you know what? We're going to do a top ten list. Reached out to Roy to make sure we're good. Hey, let's do it. And I don't think people fully appreciate this. Oasis was one of the biggest bands in the world. Not just in the U.S., not just in the U.K., in the world. These guys have sold a ton of records. And what's incredible, too, is, you know, they're, they're not together now. They haven't been active since 2009. Band started in Manchester, England. It's so interesting, too. You know, Liam Gallagher wasn't even part of the original band. You know, his older brother... Noel was kind of working through all this himself, trying to become a rock and roll star himself. And then Liam was home as a youngster. And the next thing you know, they put some things together. It's pretty crazy to think about. And that's how life really works. And one of the things I want to say, too, about this group there. Now, they drew a lot of comparisons to the Beatles. And I think that's a lazy comparison. Just because they're from England and they they kind of hit the world by storm. It's like, oh, they're the new Beatles. I'll be honest with you if, you, if you know much about the Beatles, there's not a lot of similarities other than their point of origin. I think a lot of this Oasis stuff sounds a lot like kind of um, prime Rolling Stone stuff. Like if you listen to some of the guitar stuff, a lot of Keith Richards influence, a lot of blues influence in the Oasis catalog. So here we go, top 10 Oasis songs. I think that you're going to enjoy this. I really do. Okay, so number 10 on the list, it's Cigarettes and Alcohol. An absolute banger of a track. And they're kind of known for some of their more ballad type stuff. This is not one of those. This is just kind of in your face. I was looking for all this stuff and ended up with some Cigarettes and Alcohol. Number nine, Rock and Roll Star. And if you've seen the documentary on Oasis, and if you haven't, let me encourage you to watch it. You can find it on Netflix. I assume it's still available. I'm sure it's available on other platforms. I don't remember the name of it, but it is an Oasis documentary that kind of talks about the history of the band and, uh, you know, their path to superstardom. It is absolutely worth watching because you can see how so much of this fame and fortune really kind of ripped them apart. But Rock and Roll Star is prevalent in that. It was almost like the, almost like the, the, the theme song. You know, when he talks about the Stars and Stripes, too, it's kind of interesting, the guy from England singing about the Stars and Stripes. Because if you don't make it in America, you don't make it in rock music. Number eight, Don't Go Away. I think this is a sneaky great song in their catalog. I don't know if you're as familiar with it as maybe I am. Uh, don't Go Away, obviously it's... Um, it's a relationship-type song, and uh, rumor has it that he wrote it about Patsy Kensett, who was a um, former wife. Good track. Number, number seven, some might say, this is another one, too, that I think is kind of sneaky good. I don't know that it got enough radio play, but some might say it's a great track. I love the guitar on it. I think the, uh, the chorus on it at times is a little bit odd. But the actual delivery of the song is really, really good. Lyrically, one of the better better tracks. So now we get into the top six, and I think you'll know all six of these. Many of you were in college at the time when Oasis was uh, circling the globe 
playing their music, selling their merch. But number six, it's don't look back in anger. You know, the relationship didn't work out. You know, look back and think of the good times for me and let's just, you know. Because if things don't end badly, they generally don't end, right? You know, sometimes you just kind of go through that accidental life where everybody just kind of tolerates each other. Well, this one, this relationship didn't work out. So it's like, you know, hey, let's don't look back at each other and have these negative feelings. Let's just kind of go our separate ways and remember what we had the positive light. Really good track. Number five, and this is one of the ones that really kind of pulled me in from the beginning. It's like so many bands in rock at the time, they'd have a great radio song. You're thinking, man, these guys are going to be great. And the second single drops, you're like, you know what? Eh, don't, don't think it's going to work out. But it's um, Morning Glory. What's the story, Morning Glory? It's a banger, man. I love this track. I love uh, Liam's vocal on this. And I, I think from an instrumentation standpoint, I think it's one of the stronger songs in the catalog. I love the tone of the guitar on this one. Number four, even though the falsetto on this is a little bit contrived, I love the song Live Forever. Number four on your list, Live Forever. You and I are going to live forever. Because um, maybe I don't, I don't really want to know how your garden grows. I love the song lyrically. I love what it stands for. And, um, you know, it's, in many respects, it could be you know, friendship. It could be anything. I think it's one of those things, too, that it's just kind of timeless. You know, it's there are some songs that you look back at an era in music and you say, you know what, this is one of the times when they got it right, and this is absolutely one of them. So here we go. Uh, top three, I think everybody knows what they're going to be. You just don't know the order. Number three, Supersonic. I absolutely loved this song when it came out. It was my favorite song on Radio Rock at the time. I thought it was absolutely tremendous. I still enjoy this song. When I was riding around this week, like I would get, like you would end, and I would just go ahead and bump it back, go and listen to it again a couple times in a row. It's outstanding. I used to, you know, I used to listen to this song. I had it on CD, and it's like sometimes you couldn't get to the rest of the CD because you know this one just had that that feeling. You know, there are some songs out there you just you just like the attitude of the song, and that's this one for me. Supersonic. I need to be myself. I copy no one else. Number two, and we're going to end with two ballads, which is uh, not typical for the top ten list on the Boneyard, but these were mega hits for them, and I think everybody would agree. Not just two of the top songs of the genre, perhaps two of the greatest songs written in this generation. Number two, Champagne Supernova, because where were you when we were getting high? I absolutely love it. I don't know what a Champagne Supernova is, though. I don't know, but it rolls off a tongue. And uh, the tenor of the song really kind of gets to me. It really does. I mean, to me, it's a very emotional song in some respects. And uh, I think that it's one of those songs, too, that may maybe, even though it was on the radio everywhere at the time, maybe we got burnout on it. It doesn't get played enough these days. But number one, this is the song. And this might not just be the song for Oasis. This might be a song for a generation. And you say, well, Steve, you're being a little bit dramatic here. No, I'm not. It's Wonderwall. And I remember where I was the first time I heard this song, and I'm like, holy smokes, who is that? Is that Oasis? Why haven't I heard this? And, of course, that was, you know, an advanced single of the new album. And uh, I think that it is... 
a perfect song. There are a few songs out there you look at and say, you know what, I would change this, I would change that. I wouldn't change anything about Wonderwall. It's perfect. And it's like we've heard it so many times, you almost take for granted the glory of the song. It's like, oh, yeah, I've heard this a million times. Well, take some time and really listen to it. Get the lyric sheet out. Don't just sing along and maybe study it. It is absolutely perfect. The percussion in it is great. The guitarist is great. The lyrics are great. I don't know what a Wonderwall is. I have no clue. No, I haven't, don't care to look it up. But the reality of it is, is, you know, this is, you know, really about, I've kind of been lost in the world or whatever, and then I, I met you, and, you know, maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one that's going to save me. I absolutely love the song. I know many of you do too, but uh, this is one of those songs you look back, and I know there's a lot of things that record companies push, and everybody's like, oh, this is going to be huge. You know, you got to go buy this, you got to go play that, you got to go to this show. I think this is just one of those songs that spoke for itself. I don't think it needed any promotion. I don't think it needed any significant airplay for people to like it. I think it's just one of those songs that people find a connection with. And then kind of in a grassroots movement of sorts, we share it among ourselves. It's like, dude, have you heard this? The next thing you know, it's all you're listening to. Wonderwall by Oasis, that's your number one song. So glad we could finally do these guys some justice. And uh, traded some texts with Roy this morning. Got some other 90s uh, rock acts that are coming up on the list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out. Let me know. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. You can follow Roy, too, at Dogmatic67. That's at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7 on Twitter and on Spotify. And I'd like to thank our good friend Izzy Mandelbaum, who is also adding these lists to Apple Music. Because not all of you are Spotify. I'm not a Spotify person either. I'm, a, I'm an Apple Music guy all the way. And so you get both options. So if you're looking like, hey, I'm just kind of tired of listening to the radio. Uh, Steve, give me a playlist. Well, we've got about 300 of them for you out there. And you can go by and find your favorite artist and listen to my favorite songs by them. And I guarantee you, many of them are your favorite songs too. And I want to, again, thank you guys so much for your support of Top 10. Uh, we started doing this back during the quarantine to kind of have some content filler, and it's become this. And, uh, you know, where we get tens and thousands of uh, listens and impressions on our list, which is incredible to think about. I love music. You guys do, too. And I'm uh, always glad to share the gift of music with you guys, especially some of these deeper tracks. I submit to you that many of you that listen to Oasis on the radio, maybe didn't buy the CDs, you probably don't know Cigarettes and Alcohol, Rock and Roll Star. Uh, some might say band, all, songs like that. I think you're going to listen to them. You're going to be like, dude, where's this been? I love it. I love this. I love it when somebody shares new music with me. I had somebody read recently. It's like this is, it's, it's a love language there. When somebody shares a song with me, they think that I will like. It's like they're showing their love. You know, It's like, hey, I think you will enjoy this. And so when I share this with you, on behalf of myself and Roy and Izzy, uh, we're showing our love for you. We think you will enjoy this, and this will bring some value to your life and, and to your listening pleasure. How about that? And again, uh, reach out to me or Roy if you have ideas for the top 10 list. We'll be happy to, uh, to accommodate you when we can. There's some of you that make some requests sometimes that uh, are a little more difficult for me to do because I'm not quite as familiar with the bands, and so it makes it a little more uh, difficult because uh, I want to do these lists justice, if you know what I'm saying. All right, time for the Campus Book Mart segment of the show. Campus Book Mart, you guys know them well. You should. 
been doing a great job for Mississippi State fans for years and years and years. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, Candy, the whole group there will treat you like family because you are family. Simple as that. Miss Kathy does a great job finding Mississippi State merchandise. Probably one of the best buyers in the Mississippi State community. Give them a chance to serve you. Go by and say hello to them. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50 is absolutely incomplete. Buy yourself something, too. You know somebody is going to blow it for Christmas. You know it. Whether it be your secret Santa, your favorite aunt, somebody's going to get you something that is of no value or use to you other than the fact that they bought it. So take care of yourself. Get yourself that M over S sweatshirt. Be ready for college baseball season. Be here in less than two months as we defend our national championship. How about that? Pretty cool. All right, let's take a look on the defensive side of the football. Again, there is a lot of room for optimism. You know, we kind of had to you know, pitch it all together in 2020. Much different year in 2021, and we'll get everybody back. Now, we weren't able to generate a lot of pass rush from the front. Now, some of that's because we lose Jordan Davis in fall camp. He was the best pass rusher throughout fall camp. We lose him to an ACL tear. Expect them to be very careful with him in the spring and summer months. He should be full go by fall camp. So he will factor in. So he was not really part of the two deep this year. So it's almost like bringing a free agent in. You get him back. It's a guy that can really play. Randy Charlton took over that starting position there. Had some moments, showed some flashes. We'll see what happens with him. Again, I expect him to probably get his NFL draft feedback. Don't think that he goes. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. DeMonte Russell has played some over there. Jack Harris has played some over there. Well, Jack Harris was really kind of beginning to go into his own, and then Jack got injured. There was some talk he might be able to be back for the battle for the golden egg. He didn't make it back. Should be good to go in the bowl game. We'll see how things progress with him. But uh, I believe it was a hand injury. I believe that's correct. I don't. I think that's correct. But uh, Jack will factor in there too. And then you, you slide inside the nose tackle, Cam Young, arguably Mississippi State's most consistent defensive lineman this year and then Jaden Crumberty there at D-tackle and of course Nathan Pickering can play both spots if need be Uh, Pick got some starts down the stretch too so you feel good about the interior got to put some other guys in there that can play Uh, Sam linebacker Tyrus Wheat that's your starter now there is some some chatter behind the scenes that he may again get his uh, NFL draft grade before making a decision. You know, we don't think he's going to come out, but at the same time, too, what if he gets some paperwork back and like, hey, I'll, I'll go run at this. You know, Sherman Timms ran second team at Sam, and then he's a redshirt senior, so he will he will likely move on. I don't know that he'll take advantage of a COVID year. We'll see uh, how things progress. But you feel good about having your starters back as well as some regulars for sure. Now, Mike Linebacker, that's uh, Bookie Watson. Deshaun Page running second team. Played a little bit more down the stretch. But, again, Nathaniel Watson, a converted wide receiver, is really coming to his own, expecting a big year from him next year. Jed Johnson, 
you know, we signed Jet as part of that great group with he and Brule, and and then Jet, you know, was a little bit slow starter, but has come on one of the most productive tacklers in the Southeastern Conference. He'll be back. Now, Aaron Brule has moved on to Michigan State. Hate that. Wish him the best. But the reality of it is, is you're going to bring your starting backers down the stretch back unless Tyrus Weed elects to opt to go pro. And again, not expecting that, but I want to prepare you for the possibility should that become a conversation later. Now, let's take a look at the secondary. Now, this is where some transfers can really help us. Now, at corner, you know you got Emmanuel Forbes locking down one side. Martin Emerson's already declared for the draft. No surprise there. We expected that coming into the year. So, does that mean that Camryon Richardson takes over? Possibly. Does that mean that Carlos Nicholson comes in, takes that spot? Possibly. That'll be a battle we watch throughout the spring and fall. But you have some pieces there. And, of course, Asias Furge, a former starter, been running second team here for the last year and a half. So, that's a good teammate. Guy that plays really hard, good tackler too, and always happy to be on the field. And so, you feel pretty confident about – you know, the guys you got coming back. But if we could get an older guy out of the portal, that makes a big difference. Because we're going to play a lot of guys at corner. Now, Martin Emerson and Forbes played a ton last year. We could keep them a little bit fresher. That'd be great, too. So I expect another older guy. Now, will we sign three or four corners? I guess it kind of depends on how things go. I think we certainly add another high school corner. Is that... Tyler Woodard, former Bulldog commitment, didn't sign on Friday, excuse me, on Wednesday. Dust State, double back to him. That's one thing to consider. I think we might have been a little too quick with the gong. I like the guy a lot, but that's a name to consider as we kind of move forward. But if you can get a veteran guy out of the portal while some of these younger guys develop, I think that is a really good situation for you. So, again, one more older corner, and I think we all feel a whole lot better about our depth at corner. You don't replace a guy like Martin Emerson, you know, one of the best corners in, in the conference, just overnight. You know, DCAM has played well this year. You remember Martin got uh, ejected from a game from on a bogus targeting call, but um, and DCAM never missed a beat. You know, he's a guy, too, that is a, a younger guy that's kind of coming into his own. And then DeCarlos Nicholson at 6'3", 200 pounds, gives you a very physical presence at corner. But he's still kind of learning the position. It is a position change for him. You know, this is his first year. And he got picked on a little bit this year. And a lot of that's just technique. And you got a great coach in Darcel McBath. So now that you've got the potential, the size and the athleticism, now it's about the know-how. The safety spot, this is the thing, too. If we begin to look at next year at every personnel group, I'm probably the most concerned about safety. And say, well, Steve, we bring a lot of guys back. We do. We do. But I think we need more competition at the position. So Martin Emerson, of course, moves on. That's really the only guy in the secondary you look at and say that's a huge loss. But Fred Peters is kind of a sneaky big loss, too. You got Colin Duncan coming back and Jalen Green coming back, and then you got to find somebody to play the Fred Peters spot, the dog spot. What do you do there? Well, Sean Preston's the guy that's played some strong safety for us. He's got some snaps under his belt. Dylan Lawrence is a guy that was pretty solid for us as a two-deeper. But I think you got to go find some guys that can play more snaps. <laughs> I apologize for that. Santa Claus was here early dropping off some uh, some packages, saving him some time later. So apologize for that. As you know, nobody can sneak up around here. But uh, 
And the reality of it is, you know, we probably need at least one older safety. If we can get two, I think you got to get two. And that's the thing you look at with this group. It's like, well, this is a defense in many respects that's going to return intact, right? Everybody from the front seven will be back from the starting lineup. And there's no underscoring the fact that – or understating the fact that Aaron Brule was not a significant contributor to this defense. He was. So – that's a guy that had some starts under his belt as well and played pretty well in the rotation. His snap count was down considerably this year compared to last year. And that's one of the reasons he left. But you feel good about what you're returning in the front seven. Now, Martin Emerson is gone. Fred Peters is gone. So how the numbers look like? We're 9 of 11. You're going to return 9 of 11 starters again. So 18 of 22. I submit to you there's not going to be a lot of people in the Southeastern Conference that have that much experience coming back. And I've mentioned to you, DCAM played, uh, you know, started, I guess not, not technically started, but he was in the game uh, pretty much the entire ball game after Emerson is out. But um, the secondary, that safety group, is one that kind of gives you a little bit of a, a pause, I guess you look at and say, okay, and let's be honest with one another here. You know, it's not just about, hey, everything is great. I mean, Colin Duncan struggled at times this year. Does he get better with competition? Well, everybody does. You know, is he a guy that's – is he a starter? Is he a two-deeper? And there, he's made some plays, but at times he struggled in coverage. I thought Ole Miss and Dontario Drummond really kind of took advantage of him and picked on him a little bit. Emmanuel Forbes, you know what you got there. And so this is a group – in the secondary that is kind of in transition. You got to settle the co- the corner spot opposite Forbes and you need to bring in competition and safety. So we'll see how things go. Now Sean Preston's a guy that will get downhill on you, plays a one really well and really improved at times in coverage this year, but he is not, you know, a guy you look at and say coverage is his strength. But he is a guy that will tackle on the open field. He is a guy that can make plays in the box. Kind of a box safety in some respects. But a very physical presence, pretty sure handle a tackler. And so we got to figure some things out. But again, you got a ton of experience coming back. And how you think about this, there's some other people out there that are going to be a ton of positional battles. Not going to be so many for Mississippi State. You got to settle the tackles on offense. You got to settle safeties in the right corner spot uh, in the secondary. And so really that's kind of the focus is we get into the final weeks of the recruiting process. I told you guys on the on the on the Wednesday show that we would now kind of turn our train our focus really to the transfer portal. A lot of people, oh, we're going to go heavy in the portal. You know, we are too. We are too. There's no question about it. We're we're going to have to go out and get some guys that make us a better football team this year, and also to kind of provide some cover from some of these talented young players that are kind of getting up to SEC speed, but. 18 of 22 starters returning. Again, that really bodes well for the 2022 football season. Again, we look at the schedule, and you can say, you know, on paper, Steve, it looks pretty daunting, and it does. But I think there are a lot of people right now that are thinking, you know what, I don't know that I want to play Mike Leach in Mississippi State next year. And that's why I think this bowl game is so important. It's that last statement. It's the punctuation on the 2021 season. You go out there and you lose the ball game, then there's a question mark. You go out there and you win it, 
and it's a period. But you go win it emphatically, you put an exclamation point. And I suspect it could be similar to what we saw uh, a couple years ago. We played back there in 13. I, I think State is the better team. And I think State's also a team, too, that is trending in the right direction while Texas Tech is kind of looking to reboot things a little bit. I think you got a chance. Now, what happens without Charles Cross and Martin Emerson in the lineup? And uh, while it hadn't been officially announced, I'm told Charles Cross is already working with his trainer and beginning to kind of get ready for the, uh, for the workouts that are, that are to come. Again, not an official announcement, but I'm not expecting him to play. Didn't participate in practices last week, and so I think he's done. And again, nobody has said it officially, but that's what, that's what I'm hearing privately. So I feel good about where we are. Now the question becomes now, Steve, will any of these younger guys that signed have the potential to play? Well, obviously you signed to Carlos Nicholson, expecting him to at very least be a two-deeper and certainly compete for a starting spot uh, to replace Martin Emerson. He and Decam obviously are the two guys you look at there. And then I think Trevion Williams is a guy that has a chance to play some as a freshman. And a lot of it's because he is so physically mature. A lot of these guys need a year in the weight room to kind of get up to SEC strength and speed and size. I think Trevion is pretty close to being there already. So he's a guy that perhaps plays some as a true freshman. And, you, and listen, we're trying to generate some pass rush. And I think having that guy there, maybe he gives you 10, 15 snaps a ball game as a freshman and then becomes a starter the next year. Because, you know, Jordan Davis, obviously expected to move on next year. Randy Charlton will be gone next year. You know, so there are some options there. Get his feet wet this year and then give him an opportunity uh, to be a starter as a sophomore. Now, when you look at the rest of these guys that we're bringing in on the defensive line, I think every one of them needs a redshirt year. Don Terry Russell needs a redshirt year. He's got to get bigger, faster, stronger. He does. Now, he is explosive, but he has got to get bigger and faster. R.J. Moss is a guy that I expect to get bigger and slide inside. I think he's a three-tech. I think he's a guy that will play an interior spot. Maybe, maybe he could play that five-tech as a D-end. But I think that he is a guy that uh, his, will probably slide inside. When you look at his frame, I think that you could get him up to around 300 pounds and not really hurt his athleticism. That's a real possibility, too. And then Calvin Dinkins, a natural interior defensive lineman, and a bigger, stronger guy, too. Does he factor in this year? You know, maybe. I wouldn't rule it out because you don't have a lot of depth, you know, behind Jaden Crumity. But I think that he's a guy that, that did, maybe you see how he does in fall camp. That's going to be really the issue. So, you know, and again, if we're depending on freshmen to come in and contribute, it's probably not a big year, right? So we don't need that. But there is the possibility some of those guys could flash a little bit and get some experience to kind of get them ready to be starters the next year. So I like the class, but it's incomplete. And what's really going to make us a better football program is how we do in the transfer portal here in these final weeks. So just to kind of recap, what I positions I expect, a kicker, first and foremost, we got to have a kicker. We're going to scholarship a kicker. We, we need to get a punter too. And maybe, maybe that's a walk-on guy. Maybe it's a transfer as a non-scholarship guy. But the reality of it is we need a kicker and a punter. Everybody knows this. I think you scholarship a kicker, you walk on a punter. Offensive tackle, wide receiver or two, depending on how things shake out. Now, it's one thing I've learned. If you tell Steve Spurrier you got uh, 10 scholarships to work with, he'll get all 10 and then ask for two more. You know, that, he is a guy that wants his personnel group to always have competition and talent. And then you begin to look at the rest of this deal. 
And you begin to think about, okay, on the defensive side of the football, we previously talked about getting an edge rusher. I don't know that you need that now. If you know Jordan Davis is coming back and if his rehab is in good condition, I think you're okay there. But we'd like to have had an older edge, but I think ideally now when you think how well we've done on the defensive line from the high school ranks, maybe you ride with what you got. You get a corner, you get two safeties. So what are we talking, six spots there? You know, 76 spots to fill, kicker, tackle, wide receiver, corner, two safeties, maybe two wide receivers. So six or seven spots out of transfer portal. So, Steve, when do those names stop popping up? Well, I, I think give everybody a chance to take kind of catch, catch their breath, and I think next week you'll start seeing some new offers go out. Maybe this weekend we'll see. Guys have worked really hard. They've been on the road for a long time because as soon as the Egg Bowl ended on Thanksgiving night, they had to get their itinerary together, and then they're on the road on Sunday. And basically we're on the road Sunday through this past Saturday – when uh, or at least this past Friday, you know, before they hosted visitors. And so many of these guys have not slept in their own beds, but a couple times here in the last, uh, you know, three weeks. So give them an opportunity to get a couple days to kind of rest and maybe have breakfast with the wife and that sort of stuff and maybe go to see Spider-Man and uh, we'll be good to go again. But again, now instead of you having to chase 25 spots, you know, now you're probably looking at, as I mentioned earlier in the week, we sent out 26 packets, right? And so we got 22 of those accounted for. And he said, yeah, but Steve, some of those guys didn't sign. Well, some of them did, and you just don't know it yet. And I'm not being coy about it. We're just going to respect these guys and give them an opportunity to have their moment. But you got 18 official signees. You have four commitments. Two of them have signed. Two of them are expected to sign uh, later in the process. And so right now you have four scholarships to work with. And you, Well, Steve, you just said we got to have six or seven transfers. We will because we'll have a couple other guys go in the portal. And then everybody's going to panic and, well, what's going on? You know, you know, grab your pearls and clutch them. Hold them tightly. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Every year we're going to have players transfer in and out, just like every other program in the country. But, yeah, you're going to have, I would say, at least three more scholarships open up after the bowl game. And that's what everybody will say. Oh, well, I don't understand. You know, listen, those guys know their standing – within their personnel group and in this program much better than you and I do. They know. They know. Just like you saw at A&M, right? Zach Calzada, the quarterback, hits the portal. People are like, oh, what's going on? And then they, they sign Max Johnson from LSU. Well, that's what's going on. He's being replaced. They went out and got a guy that's a little bit better prospect. And they got his brother too. So that's the world in which we live. So be prepared for that and understand – that's how life's going to work. So this class, I think, likely ends up around, you know, 28, 29, maybe 30 signees because you got that one-year exemption this year, right? You don't, the 25 limit doesn't apply this year as long as you're under the 85. Right now, 26 takes us to 85, right? So you know, maybe you get three or four more transfers out of here and uh, you replace those guys. That puts you up around 29, 30. So give you plenty of room to work with. There's still some high school guys out there you're chasing too. So still a lot of ebb and flow to go. You can say, well, man, Steve, I thought the whole thing was over. No, still a lot of excitement left, and uh, we'll have a, a fight to the finish in many respects in February. But a reminder of this too, you know, transfers do not have to sign a national letter of intent. So if they don't sign today, they can still sign at any point because they're not bound by the traditional signing periods. 
it's only your first-year players. It's only your junior college transfers and your high school initial enrollments that are bound by the signing period. So any high school player that doesn't sign today will have to wait and sign in February. But a transfer, as we saw with Jalen Green last year, you know, he signed up into January. So they can sign whenever. So there could be signees between now and February. And I just say that to kind of make sure everybody understands the process. Because there's a lot of people out there. And, again, I'm I'm not taking any shots on any of the guys on our beat. Don't misunderstand me. Don't get on Twitter. Well, Steve said this. Because many of the people on our beat are still relatively new, right? And so a lot of them don't understand the recruiting process, right? And so they may say something while well-intended that may not be exactly correct. And a lot of that's just because they're just kind of getting familiar with this. But there are some people in the national media, they don't cover recruiting. They don't keep up with recruiting. And then we get to the week of National Signing Day, and then everybody's an expert about recruiting. And they'll they'll post things out there that make no sense because they're not true. And so I, I get a little irritated with that. You know, it's like, oh, well, Mississippi State lost this kid. Well, we hadn't recruited him in months. Oh, well, this guy picked uh, this school over Mississippi State or whoever. You know, and I don't want to be insecure about it, but, you know, some of these guys that they're not a priority for us, you may throw an offer at them in the spring, and then you get them to camp, and they can't run, and then you watch your senior film, and they can't play. But yet, then, you know, when Arkansas Tech signs them, oh, we had a Mississippi State offer. Well, yeah, one time, yeah, kind of a get-in-the-boat offer. Doesn't mean it was committable. Not meant that Mississippi State recruited him down the stretch and lost a big recruiting battle uh, to some lesser-than school. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that we have put a good class together, but it's just the start. Th- this is a good class now. It could be a really good class once we get into February and see how things kind of finish up here. All right, let's thank our friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan, good friend of mine, wants to be a good friend of yours. Yeah, Brooks is a guy, too, that uh, robbed a home run and sent us to Omaha. You might be familiar with that story. If you're not, let Brooks tell you. Brooks part of a great group. It's brought a great residential development here to the greater Starkville area. If I was moving to Starkville now, it's where I'd move, just because of the proximity to campus. You know, and it's on the quiet side of campus, the residential side. It's 1.1 miles from campus, right off of 12. You turn off of 82 on a 12, the very first right, boom, there you are. Portico, very easy to get to, conveniently located to campus. Got that nice new neighborhood Walmart market, Walmart neighborhood market out there, pardon me. Uh, makes it easy. So when you're coming home and it's like hey, the wife texts you, hey, can you stop at Walmart and get a, you know, a loaf of bread? That's no problem. You don't have to go fight the crazy crowds over there. You can just come on home. 1.1 miles from the house. Go by and get that and knock it out. Very convenient. And I love the place, too. It's a great atmosphere. It's a cool vibe over there. You'll like it. I think it'll be exciting for you. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath house, go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath house. Of course, if you want a three-bedroom, three-bath house, they can do that too. They can. And at this point now, you're picking your lot. You're getting some house plans finalized. You have some say in that. They're in the middle now of getting ready to pour those foundations, and the next thing you know, there's construction's going to get going. So if you're thinking about moving to Stark, we'll say, hey, you know, we've been thinking about it for a while. We're going to wait until after the kids are out of school. It's time to act. And call Brooks to get some information. He'll be happy to fill you in. And uh, I love the guy, man, I do. And I think you guys will too. And that's one of the things, I love doing business with Bulldogs just because I feel like that it's like working with family. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I can trust them. And that's how I feel with Brooks. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. 
make Portico your next move. All right, let's finish up talking in-state recruiting. This has been a, uh, an interesting topic. We have some great players that leave the state every year. We do. Now, I would say probably the best, the best year that I can remember where state really kind of dominated in-state recruiting. I'm going to pull it up for you real quick here just because I think it's important to understand. Now, of course, the scout rankings were a little bit different back then uh, than the 247 rankings, and I submit to you ours were better. People say, well, Steve, no, ours were better. We had more boots on the ground. Uh, but let's go back a few years, and the closest thing that we probably had you know, to a sweep in the state of Mississippi – and this was an incredible day, an incredible year, an incredible class. And these guys won a lot of ball games here at Mississippi State. We've always talked about, man, how would it be, man, if everybody came together? Well, so here's how this thing worked back then. Mississippi State pretty much dominates the year in 2015. So 247 had uh, Javon Patterson as the number one player in the state. I did, and I actually had him third. We had Jamal Peters at scout as number one. So, but Ole Miss gets Javon Patterson, who had a good career at Ole Miss. It didn't really uh, turn into maybe what, what people anticipated, but he had a good career. Jamal Peters probably didn't live up to the hype either. But we get Jamal at two, Leo at three, Fletcher at four, Malik at five. They get Armani Linton at six, and you played almost as many snaps as he did. Uh, we get Tommy Champion at seven, Tim Washington at eight. They get Willie Hibbler at nine, another guy that um, – didn't really reach his full potential. Gabe Campbell went to Oklahoma that year. Gabe Campbell ended up on a medical scholarship. We get Chris Stamps at 11, Dante Jones at 12, Keith Joseph at 13. Jay Johnson went to East Mississippi. Matt Womack went to Alabama. Cam Myers ended up going to junior college. We get Mark McLaurin at 17, and 247 had him rated way too low. Jonathan Abram was number 19 that year, went to Georgia. How about that? Remember him? So – and then we get Jonas Bobby down at 22. But that was a year where State kind of dominated the in-State conversation. No question about it. State got the better players on signing day and, in hindsight, had the better players. So let's look at 2022. Let's look at the Mississippi in-State rankings for this year. Now, I haven't made my personal rankings as uh, available as much as we were on 247, but I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to go ahead and start working on junior film and um, when we get through February, I'll have, I'll have, I think, probably the list of prospects. But what I love is, like, guys like Trevion Williams. This time last year, we weren't even talking about Trevion Williams, and now he's the number one defensive player in the state of Mississippi. That, that is exciting to me. Now, it, it's one of those things, too, I'm hard on myself. It's like, how in the world did I miss this? How in the world did I know about this guy? You know, and there were some guys, too, that I was really high on early in the process this year. They ended up being G5 guys. And I, I, I don't take that as a uh, – like Cam Knox is a guy, too, I really like. And I think Southern Miss and Will Hall got a really good class together. Signed a bunch of Mississippi guys, too. But, uh, but here is um, how it broke down. The in-state uh, signees this year. And the overwhelming majority of the in-state top 30 or so have all signed. So let's run it back for you just so you know. And a lot in the top 10 not staying in state. And we got to fix that. And I think winning fixes that. Uh, and I think continuing to sign in state players fixes that. Because guys want to go play with their friends when they can. Guys want to have the opportunity to stay reasonably close to home when they can. 
you know, you read about these guys in the dandy does and that sort of stuff and on the 247 rankings and, you know, you read all these interviews like, hey, I want to go ride. I want to go be part of that. Number one player in the state, and I absolutely agree with this, is Branson Robinson. Uh, headed to Georgia. Heard pretty early on he was going to Georgia after his recruitment exploded. In the early stages of his recruitment, I was being told that he was absolutely going to pick Mississippi State overall miss. Well, little did we know, he was going to end up being one of the top running backs in the nation. I love his game. I think he is a great fit for Georgia and the offensive scheme they run there. I think he'll have a great career there. As long as he stays healthy, I think he will be outstanding. We had Jaheim Otis, number two. And these, of course, are the composite rankings, right? Uh, so Jaheim Otis uh, sticks with Alabama uh, up to 411 pounds, guys. And uh, so he's got to trim up a little bit. But – Guys his size don't normally move as well as he does. And I know a lot of people saw the the state championship game and you saw the all-star game and think, well, you know, he didn't make a lot of tackles. Well, when you create that much size and and mass in the middle, people are, are typically going to avoid running an A and B gap against you, right? Won't necessarily be the case in college. But uh, I think some people have kind of unfairly criticized Jaheim, but he's got to get in shape. He does. Uh, Kamari Rogers a composite number three player. Uh, I've shared with you guys before, I don't think he's a top five player in Mississippi. And people would say, well, Steve, how could you say that? This is sour grapes. I've been saying it from the beginning. And uh, one of the reasons why, you know, he's about 5'11", 150 pounds. He's listed at 6 foot 165. Uh, he's closer to 5'11", but 5'11", you know, 6 foot, right. Uh, he has some explosiveness about him. But my concern is he is undersized, and I think he's kind of thinly framed. And so, how durable is he going to be? That's my concern with him. How durable is he going to be? And he's come back from an ACL injury. So, it's like, hey, well, Steve, you're saying Mississippi State shouldn't have signed him? Absolutely. I absolutely would have signed this guy. Absolutely would have. Because I think, number one, uh, Kamari, number one, is kind of an outgoing, gregarious personality. I think he can be a real leader on your team. And I think if he comes back healthy, and there's no reason to think that he won't. Um, I think he's really got something. But there is some risk-reward there. But my, my concern is, a guy that's already had a couple knee injuries, you know, he's one, one bad tackle away from a medical hardship or a medical scholarship. And so I like him a lot. I don't like him as much as some of the other guys, okay? And so, again, not saying he's bad by any stretch. What disconcerns me is size. And the first time that I saw him, I was a little bit – I don't even say surprised. I was shocked. I was shocked that he was as small as he was. Now, he grew a little bit this past year. So, again, I'm not talking poorly about it. The kid can really play. I just think durability is the issue for me. Uh, Xavier Harris. I have always liked Xavier Harris. You know, what's the old expression? Mass kicks. You know what? This is a huge human being. Now, he is a little bit knock-kneed. And uh, there are a lot of people that are not needed to play football for a long time, okay? So I'm not trying to suggest that he's not. I think he's a right tackle in waiting. I know some have suggested, hey, well, he's going to be a tackle. I just don't think you can get pad level at 6'8". Well, Steve, Terrence Cody, yeah, the reason you remember Terrence Cody is he's the only guy. And I don't think Terrence was quite as big as Xavier. He was, he was just wide. But I like Xavier Harris's game. I just think he's an offensive tackle. And I think that the fact that we have him rated as a 93D tackle is kind of a disservice to the kid. And I feel confident that once he gets to Ole Miss, they're going to move him to the offensive line. I, I really do. I think, I think that's where he fits. 
Is he quick enough to play left tackle? Don't know. I do think that he could be a right tackle early in his career, and maybe as he develops and gets stronger, maybe he slides to left tackle. I just don't think that he is going to be able to play with great success on the interior at the defensive line. I just don't know if he can get play low enough. Uh, but I like him. I, I think he is a, a, a huge, huge young man. Uh, Marquez Dortch, number five player in the state. You know, my concern with him early on was similar to Kamari Rogers, that he was a little bit smaller than listed, but not as much. He has a really lengthy frame. He has a great catch radius. And uh, I think that he is a guy, too, uh, because of this, this system and this scheme, I think he is a great fit at Mississippi State. And I know Ole Miss wanted him at corner. State wants him at receiver. People were concerned that maybe perhaps they were setting up some signing day drama. No such issues there at all. Uh, I do think maybe, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have him at number five. You say, well, Steve, he's a Mississippi State kid. That's true. But I wouldn't have him ahead of uh, Trevion Williams or Aaron Bryant. I like those guys a little bit more. I would have uh, Dortch probably right there at six and, um, and probably have Kamari Rogers at seven. Trevion Williams is ranked six, and that's a disservice to him. Uh, let me, I'm a, here's your hot take for you, and I know it's probably not too hot because I think most of you guys are going to agree. Trevion Williams will make an impact quicker than any of the kids in this class on the college level. How about that? Everybody with me there? You say, well, Steve, you just praised Branson Robinson. Yeah, there's a lot of depth at running back in Georgia. I think they give him time to develop. I think Trevion Williams could be an immediate impact guy. Again, probably as a sophomore. I think as a sophomore, he's probably – your starting defensive end, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it depends on how he grows. But Trevion Williams is a monster. And the fact that he's rated six, I think, is incorrect. Aaron Bryant is seven, and State was really never in the game with him. You know, his dad went to Ole Miss, and there was a lot of early confidence that Ole Miss was going to get him. And uh, I really liked Aaron Bryant. had a chance to talk to him a couple times. And then things started trending more towards Texas, and I really don't know the attraction there, to be honest with you. I didn't follow his recruitment, you know, once it looked like State was out of it. But I like Aaron Bryant a lot. I mean, when you watch his film, I think he is a natural interior guy on the defensive line, has really good quickness, uses his hands well. I like him. I don't like him as much as Jaheim Otis. I don't like him as much as Trevion Williams. And I, as a defensive lineman, I like him better than Xavier Harris. I don't like him as an overall prospect as much as, as Xavier, though. But that's the thing this year. We've been really blessed with uh, a really good defensive line class in the state of Mississippi. And think about this. That's four in the top seven in the state of Mississippi. Four in the top seven. Outstanding, man. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, number eight, Stone Blanton. Uh, so, I think Stone is probably ranked about right. Uh, and that's one thing, too. If Stone, had, if Stone had three stars next to his name instead of four, there wouldn't be quite as much angst among the casual recruiting fans. Uh, I like Stone a lot. I think he probably needs to pick one sport, and maybe that's baseball. But if he can stay healthy, he is an intelligent guy that can really, really play. Uh, his foot speed maybe perhaps isn't what some of his, his uh, in-state peers are. But I like him a lot, and I think that he could be a tone setter for a defense, and I think that he is kind of the quarterback of the defense. Again, very intelligent guy uh, that I think will do a great job at South Carolina. And, uh, you know, we were excited about the possibilities of him coming to Mississippi State, but, you know, he elected to do otherwise. So that's something that we'll live with and we'll deal with, and um, 
You'll see what happens. But again, that's another in the top 10 heading out of state. We get to, now here is where, this is where I think the rankings fall apart a little bit. Okay, so Bryson Hurst, as a junior, I don't think there was any question he was the number one offensive lineman in the state of Mississippi. We saw him this summer. I was impressed with how tenacious he was. He has gotten a little heavy. That can be fixed. It can be. But he did not have a good senior season. You go back and watch his film, I think you'll see. But the raw potential is still there. And I think this is one of those situations, too, where maybe perhaps he got senioritis. He gets in a college weight room. He drops some LBs. This guy's going to be able to play. I do. And the composite has him at nine. I have him a little bit higher. I do. And people say, well, Steve, you went to Ole Miss. That's okay. That, 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 that in no way diminishes his ability in my eyes. I like Bryson Hurst. I thought he played a little bit lazy at times this year, but I don't think that's anything that college coaching can't fix. Uh, number 10, Jordan Anthony out of Tower Town. Uh, I do not have him as a number 10 player in the state. I, I think he's probably closer to 15, 16, maybe even 17. The thing about him is he has elite speed. This is a guy that can really, really run. And in that offense, you know, we saw some of that this year. You know, Wondell Robinson, those guys, they will get their guys in advantageous matchups. And so I think Jordan Anthony stays on offense. There's no question to me. You've got to have that explosive speed on offense. Again, I worry about size. Listed at 5'9", 160, he doesn't look to be that big on film. Maybe he is. Uh, but Jordan Anthony is a guy, too, from Tower Town that will need a year or two, but he has the raw materials to be very good. I just don't think he's a top-10 player. Not ahead of Khalid Moore. Khalid Moore is easily the most undervalued prospect in the state of Mississippi. There is no question. And I think is it an absolute joke that he is rated as low as he did. Is, and, I, and I'll look back in a few years from now, and I'll be happy to say I told you so. If Khalid Moore stays healthy, that guy's going to be a dude. Go ahead and go, sit him to media days, put him on the front of the media guide, have him out there selling programs and popcorn at halftime. Uh, Khalid Moore has a chance to be an absolute star. I, I think he's an all-SEC potential candidate before he's done at Mississippi State. Like his game, long, lean, runs, tackles well, hits with bad intentions. Jacarius Clayton is a composite of 12. I'd say it's about right. That's about right. I mean, maybe a spot here or there. Uh, one of the things that I like about him is the fact that he's grown a little bit too. And this is a guy, too, that has played a lot of football. He's played a lot of high school snaps. He has no aversion to contact. This is a guy that has been a bigger guy most of his life, right? And so even at high school, he showed college-level size early in his career, and the staff at Tupelo were using him as a freshman uh, to get out there and do some good things. And so, you know, I think his best football is ahead of him. I've said from the beginning I thought he would be an offensive lineman. I think now because of our needs at defensive line and the fact that that's where his strongest desire is, I mean, he's going he's gonna to start on the defensive line. And uh, eager to talk to Jeff Phelps a little bit about him too because, you know, Phelps, I think, has put together back-to-back good defensive line classes. My hope is maybe we can stop worrying about that. Because I think Phelps has shown that he can recruit. And I will tell you this, too. His players love him. They absolutely love him. He'll tell them the truth, but he tells them in a respectful way. When it's time to get in them, he gets in them. But he doesn't do it in a way that breaks their will. And I think that he will get a lot of Jacarius Clayton. I'm eager to see where he lines up, though. 
I mean, I am. I really am. Dante Russell is 13. I think that's about right for him. You know, again, this is a guy that's got to gain some weight. But um, I, I love his game. I do. Now, again, one of the great criticisms I have of the rankings is Larry Simmons at 14 in the composite. Guys, Larry Simmons is a special player. But, Steve, you went to Ole Miss. Yes, he did. If you watch Larry Simmons' film, it's going to make you angry because you're going to think, how in the world did we not get this kid? Ole Miss locked him up early. There was never really any question. He, he flirted with State a little bit, but I was told by some locals down there, now nah, this thing is over with. He's going to Ole Miss. But Larry Simmons is an outstanding football player. And the fact that he's 14th, I think, is a bit of a joke. And um, 247 has him ranked 10, but the composite has him at 14. And that's one of the things, too, we could talk about the composite all day. You know, ESPN is incredibly lazy. I don't know that I've ever seen an ESPN guy at a ball game that they didn't cover. Like, you know, they used to, ESPN used to have the high school games that have South Panola on or Olive Branch. That's the only time I ever see those guys in the state. They don't come to missile practices. They don't come to the camps, the combines. I don't think they watch film, I'll be honest with you, because when I look at some of the rankings they have, I just kind of laugh to myself. And I'll share with you guys, too, an interesting story. Uh, you know, used to what I would do is I would call pretty much every high school coach in, in, the, in each district. And at least I had one or two guys in the major districts. I would say, who, hey, who are the better players here or whatever? And so I would then go build databases for these kids. I would go out and I'd put their names in the profile and heights, weights, get a phone number, try to get a picture. And that was before so, much, so many kids were on social media. So you had to have them email you a picture, go out and take it yourself. Or hope maybe the high school would send you one. But there were a couple times that uh, there were some unique names. There was one young man, particularly I remember, out of Mize, Mississippi. But there were two names that were rather unique, and I misspelled both of them. And then so the players and or coaches reach out and say, hey, Steve, you, you misspelled this. So I Googled it up, pulled the profile up, and then, lo and behold, what do I look? ESPN somehow made the same mistake. How'd that happen? You mean to tell me that ESPN wrote the names, the same two names wrong down exactly the way that I did? Right? Really? What? Huh? What? Says a lot about them. They piggyback, man. They're, I just I have no respect for how they do things, and uh, I think it hurts the composite rankings, not just for individual players, but for teams as well. Larry Simmons is a top ten player in the state of Mississippi. He absolutely is. And I don't care where he went to college. I don't care what anybody says about him. I think we're going to look back in three years, and you're going to look at it and say, that this guy is the dude at Ole Miss. R.J. Moss at 15, maybe a tad low. I, again, I like him as an interior guy. Signed with Mississippi State. Jeterius Elam, we had him at 16. Even though he didn't sign and State moved in a different direction, I still love this kid's game. Um for one reason or another, he just didn't want to come to camp and work out. I don't know what that's about. Dakota Jordan is ranked 17. I think it's a little bit low, to be honest with you. But I think he's a guy, too, because of the fact that he is a baseball prospect, too. Maybe, maybe perhaps people weren't um, as high on him as a football prospect. Uh, Blake Gunner out of Madison Central was 18. That, I think it's a bit high. Um, Good player, though, going to Tulane. I think he'll have a good career there. Happy for him. I really thought he was going to head to Ole Miss. They elected to pass on him. Trent Singleton at 19. I think he's undervalued. Janoris Hobson at 20. 
Wesley Miller at 21. Not, not many players in the state of Mississippi have a better offer sheet than Wesley Miller, but yet here he is ranked 21. That's fine. Y'all can believe what you want. Avery Sledge at 23. What's interesting, too, is when you look at the 247 rankings, we got him at 13. But the composite has him at 23. Very, very interesting. Very interesting, to say the least. So, yeah, about 44 players listed in the rankings this year. And, again, you know, it's one of those things, too, I look at. You know, we, we send in our, our evaluations and say, hey, here's the film on this kid. This is what I like about him. This is what I don't. You know, here's what I do. Uh, I don't become partial to kids just because they're coming to Mississippi State. And maybe some of you would like it if I did, but that's just not how I do things. Uh, just like you hear me talking about these you know, handful of guys that committed to Ole Miss. They didn't sign many of Mississippi, but the guys they signed, I like those guys. I wish they had signed with Mississippi State, but that's just not the reality of life. And when you begin to kind of look at how the whole thing broke down, you know, we talk about the whole joke about Mississippi made, which I think is a, a complete – you know, so for some people, it's a hashtag. For others, it's a recruiting philosophy. Uh, it looks good on a shirt, but it looks even better on signing day and on the field. But let's take a look here real quick, kind of looking at uh, how the in-state schools did. Uh, Mississippi State with 14, 14 members of this uh, 22-man class from the state of Mississippi. And that's, that should be where our focus is always. We have built a program that way. We got to win in state. It's too much of a talent rich state. We can't, it didn't like the state of Arkansas, we could just say we'll be okay. Uh, Old Mess with five signees from the state of Mississippi. Five, 14 to five. And of course, they get Xavier Harris. Hurst hadn't signed yet, but he will. Uh, Reginald Hughes, I don't, I don't know much about him. Reginald Hughes out of Northeast Mississippi, originally from Tunica, uh, linebacker prospect there. So don't know much about him at all. But uh, I know that Rosa Fort. Uh, can put some players together. All right, let's look to – let's just check in on Southern Miss. Uh, I think Will Hall – and I said when they hired him, I think Will Hall will do a great job recruiting Mississippi, similar to what Jeff Bauer did. There's so many players out there that get state and Ole Miss interest that don't get state and Ole Miss offers that can really play. Southern Miss, Will Hall making me look like a prophet, 13. 13 Mississippi players. That's impressive. Uh, let me run them down for you real quick before we get out of here just because I know there are probably some guys from your community maybe you're unfamiliar with. Uh, Latrell Jones out of uh, Popperville, Mississippi, went to Pearl River. Michael Carraway, maybe some of these guys in JUCO went to high school somewhere else. I don't want to misreport that. But, uh, yeah, Latrell Jones, uh, Jones originally from Taylorsville, Mississippi, uh, comes in from PRC. And then Michael Carraway from Bassfield, Mississippi, uh, coming in. Uh, Will Saxton from Benton Academy. You may be familiar with him. I mentioned Cam Knox earlier. He signed with Southern Miss. Really like him a lot. Kenyon Clay from Union. Had a chance to go meet with him. Like him a lot. Quarterback Zach Wilkie out of Hernando. Kydren Barnes out of Natchez, Mississippi. Cameron Barnes, the twins, out of Natchez from ACCS. Davis Dalton, lifelong Bulldog fan uh, from MRA, heading down there. Like him a lot, too. I thought that was a guy, too, that may be late you take a swing at. Could he be Austin Williams? Maybe. Uh, Jordan Mahaffey uh, out of Jones County Junior College out there in Eville, originally uh, from Foxworth, a West Marion product there. How about that? And then Marco Wilburn out of uh, Lafayette, Markel McLaurin, 
Also from J.C. Uh, J.C., I guess they're just Jones College now. He's originally from Collins, Mississippi, and then D.J. Burgess also from Lafayette. And then they add some guys that you guys are familiar with. Janari Dean. Remember him, right? Left Mississippi State. Went to Southern Miss. It all happened in a week's time. Jalil Clemens, a former Starkville High School star, signed with Tennessee or was committed to Tennessee, wound up at Memphis, and now transferred to Southern Miss. And then Dalen Gill uh, transfers from Ole Miss to Southern Miss. So a lot of Mississippi guys in this class. And so, again, you know, again, some people use it as a hashtag and think it's cute, and other people use it as a recruiting philosophy. So either you're committed to in-state kids or you're not. And uh, it's clear Mississippi State and Southern Miss are other people not so much. So we'll see how things go and see how things progress. I want to thank you guys, too. So many of you have reached out about Dogpile. Still making the orders, even though it won't make it by Christmas. Of course, we're eight days away. That was the hope when I finished. Again, I hit all the deadlines. It just didn't work out for us. But uh, got an email again yesterday from my agent, just you know, kind of illustrating the points that the printing industry is, is having. Um, I'm one of those, you know, don't tell me about the uh, the birth pangs. Just show me the baby. You know, just get it done. Um, you want to be sympathetic, but at the same time, too, I, you know, I just I'm just ready for you guys to have it. My hope was to have it to you guys by Christmas. I knew that it was going to be a tough turnaround, which is why I worked as hard as I did. But um, so it looks like a January release, and the publisher, those of you that pre-ordered, the publisher will send out an email soon kind of giving you some details on uh, what's transpired and what you should expect. But uh, not going to work out. Uh, but, again, you'll have it in time for baseball season, and that'll be exciting, too. It'll be fun to relive all that stuff again. Uh, I'm the kind of guy, too, like I'm always working on something. And so by the time these books come out, it almost feels like, oh, I'd forgotten about all this stuff. But uh, I'll have to go back and read it again so we can speak intelligently about it. But I'm excited for you guys to get it. And uh, so many people have been reached out, and I said, like, hey, here's a deal. And everybody's like, Steve, we understand. And thank you so much for that, because that when, as this thing began to trend in this direction, that was my biggest anxiety. It's not my name on the book. You know, it's not some printer somewhere that's getting these emails or calls. And I know some of you have emailed the website, and they have been kind of slow to respond, so you've reached out to me. Um, I'm going to respond, and uh, but I'm trying to communicate with you guys as best I can now, perhaps, so we can save some keystrokes later. But uh, it will be a January release, unfortunately, a January release. I really wanted to get it out there in time for Christmas and obviously would have sold more books. But uh, I know you guys are timeless and you love Mississippi State and uh, you're looking forward to having that book. So we'll get that out to you uh, here in a few weeks and uh, looking forward to getting back out there on the trail and uh, signing some books and seeing you all and your smiling faces. All right. Next week, you know what? It's next week is Christmas week. So we're going to have Christmas music top tens all week right? Matter of fact, I'll get a chance to see my mom and them uh, tomorrow. My kids haven't seen them in, in many months. They are still very careful. They're very COVID cautious. And uh, that's kind of how it is. You get a little bit older and have some health problems. You got to be careful what you do and where you go. And so looking forward to seeing them. And then of course, next weekend, we'll be with our family and uh, have a chance to, to enjoy the holiday season. And so I don't care if you celebrate Christmas uh, or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or anything like that. It makes no difference to me. I love you all the same. I want you to enjoy your time with your family. Maybe you don't even celebrate. Maybe you just kind of sit and exist and eat ramen and watch Netflix. I love you too. I just want everybody to have a great holiday season. What, no matter what you celebrate, who you celebrate, or how you live your life. I just think that uh, in this day and times, a little bit of tolerance and a little bit of love and understanding goes a long way. 
Look forward to being back with you guys on Monday. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.